0: This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio, Australia.
1: here too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dan Hartow, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co host, Sarah Ngama.
0: Buller Dean and bullet to all of our listeners, it feels great to be back for another week of our show. Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have another special guest for Talanoa Time and we have a new question for our favourite segment. You can ask that. But, Hala, it's never a show without checking in on each other and how our week has been. So what has been happening in your world?
1: Uh, my world has been good. Other than over the weekend, there were some results that, that happened in the NRL and one of them in particular stung for one of my old – copped the walloping on the weekend but one in particular was really bad so the weekend was a little bit sad for, from that point of view but um it's it's come good i spent the day with uh with my little fellow today louis and uh we both got haircuts together so that was a a good trip to go get hair, haircuts together he looks like a little spunk so um i like i like going out and spending some time with him how's your week, being sarah well, you're also still in, in camp where are you now at the moment?
0: Well, I'm currently in Adelaide. We're on our second week um, of tour. So last week we were in Christchurch where the Black Ferns hosted us. And, uh, yes, we'll cover that result a little bit later, but it was not an ideal night for us. Um, But training ever since then has been quite intense, to be honest, and I guess you can always expect that in any elite environment when a result doesn't turn your way, you kind of ramp things up with training because something's got to change. So Body has copped an absolute flogging. At Test Match Tuesday, um, which was a, a triple session and very strenuous, so today's been a day off, and I've just, you know, been sussing out the city. When got a massage, having a lot of coffee, um, and look, I'm now talking to you. So, could it get much better than that? Don't think so
1: camp life. It sounds uh, sounds good, uh, even though you are getting flogged. You're going to be ready, match ready to go. When uh, you know, Hopefully, you get that um, name read out. Now, we've got some stories to get through. The first being our top story for the week, Usain Bolt, uh, who we know from sprinting fame, one of the fastest men on the planet. Well, he holds the record in the 100 meters and the 200 meter sprint. So he is uh, a lightning bolt. And one of the things that he does after his victories is he goes into this pose where he points to the sky, gets his arm up, and I think everyone would be familiar with the Usain Bolt pose, but he's uh, he's decided to do something with this.
0: He certainly has. He's applied to trademark his iconic victory pose. Now, this is pretty insane, but, like, when you think about Usain Bolt, you know about this incredible stance that he does after a race. So he's applied for a trademark because he intends to use that symbol um, as part of clothing and sunglass wear, etc. So he's got a, a master plan, um, and the first step of that is just claiming dubs on uh, that iconic logo. So interesting. Very cool, but I mean, if you're looking at it from a brand awareness perspective, you see that and you know exactly who it is.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a, a really smart move by him. You think of someone like Michael Jordan, who is arguably the goat of basketball. Everyone, as as youngsters, grew up like in my era, at least anyway, grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, and and now his brand, the the, the Air Jordan, which is him sailing through the air, leg split, doing his uh, his dunk. Um, that that's pretty iconic, and and it's its own ba- own brand in its own right. So it's. Um, I think a pretty good move from Hussein, and I think he's got that uh, that goat status as well in sprinting. What would yours be, Sarah? What would you go for if you're going to have your own silhouette or, or or something that you could trademark?
0: If I had to do a silhouette, probably like me with like my Ventolin inhaler in my mouth or something, <laughs> <laughs> and like a bun and a scrunchie. But it's very underwhelming. I don't really have an iconic pose. I think I would want to claim dibs on like a statement, like trademark a statement. Yeah. you know. But that would be me. I can't really think about it because you know I just say so many iconic things. What about you? What would you? Would you have any silhouettes no, well, made like, up? And...
1: Mine would be like like a, like a, a shock. Like I wouldn't know when I've when I've scored <laughs> tries. It's such a foreign feeling that I'm in shock. So I don't really do any like celebratory pose. I'm just like stunned. So I don't know how that looks as a silhouette. It's more in my face. So yeah. I... I I don't think it would sell very well. That's, that's all I know. You know, know
0: what? If, if you ever choose to do something like that, I promise um, I will make a purchase as long as you give me a discount code like DEAN10 or something. Yeah, DEAN10. DEAN83.
1: That's um, – yeah, okay. We'll go with that. Now, go. over to uh, rugby and, yeah, you mentioned before, internationals going on at the moment. Do you want to jump into uh, your result from the weekend?
0: Yes, as mentioned earlier, the Black Ferns hosted the Australian Wallaroos in Christchurch last week. Um, It was an incredible week of preparation, dare I say, one of the best weeks we've ever had um, in camp. But unfortunately for us, we fell incredibly short, um, and the final score was 52 to 5. There have been, I guess, varying headlines that have come out of it that, you know, if the Wallaroos were full-time, they'd be able to compete a bit better. But truth of the matter is, we're still semi-professional and that wasn't the thing that we went into that game with. We had a game plan, but we um we, we failed to execute it. And so this week as part of our preparation, we are here now in Adelaide, ready to uh kit up for a doubleheader um with the Wallabies who will host South Africa and really again will have the Blackfern. So this week in preparation, it's all about turning um turning it all around um, and particularly having a huge, huge focus on our defence.
1: We've spoken about this before on the show around the, the fact that the Black Ferns have a, a full roster of full-time professionals where that they can uh, be paid to train and, and prepare themselves to play at that elite level. Is, and, and I know that um, you know, we've, we've been of the opinion that we need to get this across more in sport, particularly here in Australia, so that you can compete on that international level. Uh, it, it, that wouldn't be something that the coaches would ever um, – Use as a as an excuse, but right in, in your performances. As you said before, it's about still executing your game plan and going out there and playing the the best rugby that you can play as a group.
0: Yeah, and you you absolutely nailed it. We have the group to do it. We have the skills to do it. And you know, looking at it even a deeper level, like looking at our GPS data from what we're doing in training. You know we are absolutely prepared to take on these test matches but unfortunately um we didn't apply it on the field and um you know i'm certainly can speak on behalf of the 23 that took the field that day is utterly disappointed um, including our coaching staff but we've been that throughout review we know exactly what we need to work on and hopefully next week when we're covering the game we're sharing a, a very different result
1: yeah, fingers are crossed that that can be the case. Now, over to the rugby, uh, over to rugby league, I should say. And in the QRL, the PNG Hunters, uh, they were meant to be playing back at home in Papua New Guinea, but unfortunately, um, that's been delayed due to some unrest locally, which uh, meant it wasn't the right option. They, they ended up playing at Runaway Bay Bycroft Oval, which is um, where they've been hosted while they're here in Australia, and they managed to get a win, thirty-two to twenty-four, over the Burley Bears, which is a huge, um, a huge win for them, seeing that the Burley Bears are actually on top of the table. The hunters themselves down in twelfth position, only their sixth win of the year, um, but no doubt something that, that will give them a lot of confidence. And uh, I guess it, it would have been a bit of a, a motivator the fact that they weren't able to play at home, but um, you know, trying to put in a performance for for those that are back home in PNG watching them.
0: Yeah, far from ideal that they weren't able to return back to PNG because I know that we've been speaking about how much it would mean to them, particularly after a very inconsistent season. But uh, like I said, there's still some time to go. And wait, dare I say, are they coming close to the end of their season?
1: No, they've got one more regular season match to play. Uh, they can't make the finals, unfortunately. They're sitting in 12th spot and it's a top eight final series in the QRL. Um, but as, as we have both mentioned, it's um, something for them to, to aim towards next year off the back of a, a strong performance. So hopefully next week they get the, sorry, this weekend they get the victory as well, um, which will build towards then. Now the NRLW moved into round one. So 2022 season, we know that 21 season was played at the start of this year. Big, big year for uh, the NRLW teams and um, some pretty um, good rugby league. Did you, did you manage to catch uh, a lot of the games, Sarah, over there in New Zealand when you were there?
0: I didn't, but I've certainly caught all of the highlights and some incredible tries by the girls. But, yes, as you mentioned, the NRLW, uh, I guess the 2022 season proper, uh, round one launched on the weekend, and the first match was between the Eels and the Roosters, where the Roosters won 38-16. to 16. Now, this is an incredible result, particularly for the Roosters, because this is just after four months after winning their first premiership. So they certainly have made a, a statement um, against Parramatta. The Roosters, they never really let go of the lead, um, scoring four tries in each half, including a double for nearly crowned skipper, Isabel Kelly. Uh, there were trials from Shania Power, who we had on the show before, and not long after, Leanne Tufangov, who's off Pacifica Heritage, she also crossed the line. So it was huge, but the I guess it was also expected, like I certainly was expecting the Roosters to win just because of how deep their spine is and and the way that they've recruited and particularly after a very successful season earlier this year um however what I was most excited to see was Gal Broughton who uh has been recruited by the Parramatta uh Eels and she played in the halves and she's such a crafty player she's played over with the Black Ferns um, she represented New Zealand at the Tokyo Olympics and she'd certainly had um I guess a, a really star breakout um in her first round, and we can definitely see that there's more to come. But it was just great to see her running um in a different code, representing. And um I am a stalker on socials unless you haven't figured that out yet. And it was just cool to see some of her Black Fern Seven sisters fly over to watch her debut. And we also saw Brooke Walker, who's uh, played the AFL, who sorry, who has played AFLW before, um come over, and she was assigned with goal kicking duties. And again, she impressed. So I think it was a really interesting matchup because I. I thought Parramatta, like they are, to me, the live wire of NRLW just because they have all the big personalities. So it was just good to see how they'll perform. And even though they fell short, I think it was a really strong um, first outing for them.
1: Yeah, it was great to see Gal Broughton. She moves so well. Like she looks sharp. She looks strong. And oh, I can't wait to watch her continue through this NRLW season. Now, uh, the second game of the round was the Dragons up against the Titans and uh, a bit of muscle flex by last year's grand finalists from the Dragons.
0: Yes. Well, the Dragons came in to this season, obviously wanting to make a statement after they lost the grand final back in April. And they certainly made a statement against the Titans, scoring 26 to 12. Um, Emma Tonegado, who is just, she was just in full flex mode, dare I say. Um, and it was incredible to hear Jamie Soward speak so highly of her post-match, saying that he reckons she'll have that uh, that number one jersey come World Cup later this year. So she certainly led the, the team. In the first 20 minutes, I would say she was the strongest um, performer on the park and Stephanie Hancock, who plays for the Titans, she was the only player to cross the line twice, but unfortunately they fell short. So a huge, huge performance from the Dragons. And a shout-out to Maori all-star Paige McGregor, who scored the final try of the game in the 57th minute.
2: 22 metres out from the line by Rastran Smith. Plays it to Dodd, goes short side left. A lovely pass by Davis to Paige McGregor. She steps in field and scores. You won't see a better ball than that all day. Great ball from Keely Davis. And uh, the is finished off by Paige McGregor. And now say those three words, Louie. Game, set, bingo. The Dragons are going to win in a most impressive fashion here in Wollongong.
1: Paige McGregor, there's, there's some really quality outside backs in the NRLW and Paige McGregor's one of those, so it was a good try. Now, I can't let her go without saying a big shout-out to Steph Hancock. She was awesome. The veteran of, uh, I don't know how many games now, but she's on to about her third stint after retiring a few times, but she was great again on the weekend.
0: She certainly was. She was the only player to cross the line in which she did twice for the Titans. So she is such a veteran, but just such an experienced player. And when she's close to that line, there's really no way of denying her.
1: Now, the last match of the round, the Knights up against the Broncos. The Broncos being been one of the heavyweights of the competition for a number of years. The Knights, a new team in 2021. How did they
0: fare? They did incredibly well. <laughs> plainly put. The Newcastle Knights, they beat the three-time champion Brisbane Broncos 32-14. to 14. Now, as we know, the Knights, they have recruited quite heavily after the last NRLW season. They've picked up stars like Millie Boyle, Tamika Upton, Yasmin Clarsdale and Hannah Southwell. And I tell you something, the, the way that the girls played is just such a different outfit um, from the side that we saw early this year. But despite the big names, the player that I do want to spotlight is uh, Southwell's younger sister, Jessie, who I'm sure a lot of us have seen her highlight reel throughout Instagram and Facebook. She um, matched up with Kira Dibbs in the halves and she was just incredible. She's only 17 years old um, and she becomes the youngest NRLW player and she's certainly impressed on the night. And she, she brings back a
1: gold medal from the Commonwealth Games as well. Like that's only just happened, right? So she's played in the, in the sevens, got a gold medal, come back and is now playing in the NRLW. Shows what a talent she
0: is. 17 years old. Like, what were we doing when we were 17? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't doing much. Dear diary, this boy broke my heart. (laughs) (laughs) it would be more like Southwell.
1: But you're right. it It was a great performance by the Knights. And a try picked up by probably the best name in the NRLW, Autumn Rain Stevens Daily.
0: Millie
2: Boyle has about 73,000 Brisbane players trying to stop her from burrowing over the line. Right-hand side, they go the Newcastle Knights. They've got numbers. Great hands from Shanice Parker out the back to Autumn Rain, Stevens Daly, and she scores in the corner. And once
0: again, they celebrate like it's Christmas the Newcastle Knights. How cool is that for them?
1: Christmas in Autumn. Yeah, very good for
0: Christmas them. Christmas in Autumn, but what a name also. I want that name.
1: Yeah, it's a cool name. Well, it was a great round to, to start things off, the NRLW. I know the, there was a couple of scorelines it probably weren't flattering, but I thought the the level and the quality of, of rugby league that was played was just another notch up again, uh, which excites me for the rest of the season.
0: Well said. And over to the NRL, we hit round 23 where there are a couple of fixtures in a spotlight.
1: Yeah, well, the, the one thing that came out of this round was the fact that there was a number of blowouts. like, And when I say blowouts, it was floggings, teams getting – star uh, The first one of the round thought it, it sort of made you think that it was going to be a, uh, a good round of rugby league with the Penrith Panthers taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs in the grand final rematch. 26-22 to 22, the Panthers got up. Uh, they scored in the last few minutes a try by Liam Martin which is the one that sealed the deal for them. Um, but a couple of Pacifica players that scored Stephen Crichton and a guy that doesn't cross the line too often, Spencer Lenu.
2: Seven metres out from the line. Karoyas out. Goes to the right dummy. Sends it on the inside to Yo. Yeo goes right up the middle into Tatala and Co. His Whoa. head was over the goal line, but not the footy, and he'll play it half a metre out on the last. Does so to Coroia out? He goes a little stab kick. The ball in goal. Spencer Lin, you can't believe his luck. He's the
0: only dude there and scores. He's an absolute talent. The boy's only 21 years old. Yeah, he is a talent,
1: and the Panthers showing you know the quality that they possess, despite not having Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai in their halves, that they, they managed to take on an opponent that was a full strength. La uh, Mitchell really um, putting himself out there as the man to stop for the Rabbitohs. And he had a strong game, but um, the Panthers, once again, just proved they're, they're such a physical side and they can outlast most teams. And they did again on this occasion. So good performance by the defending premiers. Now, uh, the rest of them as they go are, are the floggings that I mentioned. And I'll start with the Storm, who um, are, are becoming a bit of a worry, I think, for those teams up the top as we get towards the finals. They beat the Broncos 60 points to 12, which kind of puts a line through the Broncos in terms of their finals hopes. They're, they're going to be there I think but um, just in terms of what they can do through the finals and uh, it was a, a try Bonanza young Son of Mypea, Tui Kamakamita, uh, David Nofaluma crossed the line twice, a former Tigers player on loan, Justin Olam, the Papua New Guinean, Nelson Asofa solomona and Jerome Hughes, the diminutive halfback uh, was great once again picking up a try for himself.
2: Nine-trigger no, halfway, Grant half, half, link up, back infield here for Munster, tries to make the break here, throws the pass, support for Jerome Hughes. Hughes stops, looks at the options, darts away from Tiamati Martin, he's still going, burns past Selwyn combo and slams the ball down. Tremendous solo effort from Jerome Hughes. Welcome back.
1: Huge result from the Storms. Very big result for the Storm. I'll give a shout out there to Brett Sprigg, our caller up in Brisbane for the match. He backed up again on Saturday and his voice was very scratchy from calling like, I don't know, 300 tries in that match. So um, he actually had to have a rest on Sunday, Spriggy. So I hope you're better. I hope the voice is recovered and you've had some, some tea and uh, we'll see you again next week on the ABC. Uh, Another flog in and another team up the top of the table, the, the Sharks, who sit in third place. They beat Manly 40-6, to six, which, which, again, Manly has really dipped away over the last few weeks, and it's uh, disappointing for them. But the Sharks showing that they're going to be a force uh, in September through the finals. And Matic who was picked up from the Roosters and has done his bit to fill in on occasion, he's, he's found himself on the wing and picked up a try on the weekend.
2: Goes left to Graham. Tackled 26 out from the line by Ola Kawatu and to Lewis. Braley picks it up. Goes right to McInnes. Away to Moylan. Now to Hines. And a double cutout pass to Manekebalu. Oh, put some cream on the strawberries. That was a beautiful pass. That was just
0: pretty to watch.
1: He's got, he's got a way with words, doesn't he, Maury?
0: He certainly does. I have tears in my eye. That's fantastic. Cream on the strawberries. on the straw. <laughs>
1: I should uh, I should mention that was Ikavalu's first of two tries, so he had a night out. Uh, the winger for the Sharks now. I only want to mention this because it was a record score, unfortunately, against the Tigers. It's the most they've conceded, 72 points to six. Um, really, really disappointing night for the Tigers at the SCG up against the Roosters, another team that uh, is surging towards September football. A couple of tries to uh, Daniel Tupo, who uh, we know is a great finisher, rep-level player. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much more about this other than to say how disappointing it, it was for the, uh, the old Tigers.
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty big scoreline to be staring at, but you can only hope that they'll turn it around. And congratulations to Roosters, who I think had a really rough start to the season, but certainly turning around in the lead up to the finals. That being said, don't forget you can hear every game live on Radio Australia. Talanoa Time. On Can You Be More Pacific. This week for Talanoa time, we're very lucky to be joined by Pauline Piliyae Rasambale. She is a New South Wales Waratah and this year became Wallaroo 181. Pauline, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific. Hello, how are you guys? So, so good. Now, Pete, we've had you on the show before, but we have some new listeners who've just joined us. So could you please tell us where you ran from in the islands?
3: So I was born in Samoa, um, in up here, Uh and I haven't gone back since, so I was probably about maybe one, not even one year old, maybe about nine months or so when we ended up moving over to New Zealand. Um, but yeah, both parents are from Samoa, um, and yeah, and pretty much just grew up in Australia since I was about two, yeah.
0: Well, I tell you something, I'm Australian rugby and I'm certainly um, very bloody happy to have you here and and playing some code um, with... Pauline, since the last time that we spoke to you, so much has happened in your rugby career and so many exciting things. And the first thing I want to touch on is your debut for the Wallaroos. Now, you and I have been chipping away at this for quite some time, and we're very fortunate to actually cap on the same evening. But take us back to that week when you first found out that you were going to be in the 23 and how that whole game day experience was for you.
3: Oh, wow. Um, So... Yeah, obviously, it was great to um, to be able to debut with you, Sarah, in that game, which was very special. Um, but yeah, so leading up to that game and leading up to the, to the moment where I was, they'll name in the 23, um, just so much emotions were going through and knowing that my partner and the kids were going to be there just made it feel so real. Um I'm just kind of getting a little bit emotional now, just talking about it.
0: <laughs> I am too. I got watery eyes. I can remember us on time. Yeah, cool.
3: yeah. Um, but no, so it was it was absolutely so special to be able to see my name getting called out and you know names in the twenty three, like just everything that I've worked so hard for, the sacrifices that we've made leading up to that moment. Just yeah, it just made made it so special. And then to be able to stand side by side singing the national anthem, I think I had waters in my eyes just thinking about, you know, trying to think about the words and, and while trying to sing the anthem. Um, uh, yeah, just it was just so special just having the girls side by side next to me and being able to do that. And then right from the whistle to kick off, um, yeah, I was just super pumped. But what was more special for me was after the game, um, just, it was, oh, my gosh, I'm getting emotional.
0: I love it. Um, I love it. This is your time, girl. Tell your story. Yeah. So it was after the game.
3: Um, I was looking everywhere for my husband and, and the boys. Um, I wanted to literally walk over there. And when I found them, oh, I started bawling my eyes out. And I gave my husband a great big hug. And the kids, my two boys, massive hug. And, yeah, like... I think just that moment alone was more about everything all the sacrifices, everything, all the trainings that you know we had to do, um, all the time away from the kids. That was that moment leading like that had led to that moment. There just being able to go up there and just
0: hug my husband after that game. Um,
3: yeah, it was it was a special one, definitely.
0: I've got goosebumps because I'm can. i totally reliving that day now in my head, but there was also a really special moment, and you didn't know about it, and we only found out about it after the game, is that when they were doing the team read or the team list read um, ahead of the match, they read your new name, which is now Pauline and Pili- uh, Rasambale. You now have your husband's name attached to it, and I know that was quite a significant moment for you as well.
3: Yeah, it was, because um, when... That week, I was telling um, our manager, Ferg, about it, just like, hey, look, this has happened. Um, Is it possible? And so when they said that, yeah, it's possible, but it might be showing in the next game. So they said that it might show in the the game for Japan. And I was like, "Okay, great. That's cool. And then when my name got called out over the speaker in the stadium and um, my husband, he was more shocked. He actually started tearing up in the stands when he heard my name and with his last name right next
1: to it, yeah. I, I love hearing this. That's awesome. Like To hear the emotion about uh, the lead-up to the match and then uh, to to the after the match you find in your husband and your kids and, and having that moment. I, I'm interested to know playing club rugby, playing Super W, now up to international and, and having to take all that in, how different is that? that approach to a game and then also everything that goes with it uh, on the international stage? Um,
3: yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's different obviously like with, in terms of the level, but um, I think more so that I was just enjoying the fact that I was able to play rugby with the girls. Like, I think that was more my intake for any kind of game. Like, yes, it's a big deal that I am playing my test match, but to be able to go out there and play rugby was and enjoy doing that was yeah is what I always look forward to.
1: And you spoke before about the sacrifices that you've made and the extra work you, you put in. And I know we spoke about this last time you're on the show and, and I've seen your socials. You you're constantly working on your game away from um I guess your structured training with your teams. Is that something that you, you your success that you're you sort of you're having now in the national jersey, is that is that what you put it down to? Those those extra sessions that you are doing away from um what's required from the team itself?
3: Yeah, definitely. Like, it's all, it's all about those little details that you can kind of go away and do with yourself or do with, you know, like a partner or a friend. that Yeah, like, those are the little things that no one else can see. And, and if you can just do that and, and focus on those little details, those one percenters, like, I think these last few weeks, um, it's been all about the detail in our work and detail in the skill. or um, And just if you can nail those, and everything else will come together. Yeah.
0: Pauline, we've been on a huge year so far with rugby and been on a couple of tours so far but it'd be so interesting to hear your take on how, like how do you feel like the Wallaroo season is faring and i mean there's been so much been put in already for our preparations for world cup
3: Yeah i think it's going pretty well um obviously the game that we've just had over the weekend wasn't the best result um we wanted we would have wanted to come out of it um but i think You know, since we've been a part of this campaign this year and going away on those tours, we can definitely see that the Wallaroos are building. Um, And so it's been an absolute great campaign so far, like just being able to build connections with the girls off the field as well as on the field. And I can honestly see and believe that these girls are building too and will peak when it comes to the World Cup. So, no, I'm really excited to see how far this is going to go.
0: Last week you played in the fullback position, which um, isn't like absolutely capable of playing there. But we know you to be a ten or a twelve. How did you find the transition to being the last line of defence for us?
3: Um, definitely
0: a little bit more challenging on defence, um, but otherwise,
3: it I I enjoy it back there. Like uh, I like that we get I get a little bit more time with ball in hand to be able to make decisions whether I'm going to distribute or carry. Um, and it's it's really no different to a 10 um it's only this time you do have that a little bit more time and you kind of you're the eyes of the 10 as well so um other than that i've honestly just been enjoying it like just having a little bit more space on the edges um so yeah no i'm i'm comfortable there but i am still learning um to play 15 but yeah i'm overall i'm just happy to be on the field and i think anyone would be
1: what are, I guess, what are some of the lessons that you, you've taken away from um, maybe your, your earlier test matches, but um, last week to coming up against a pretty strong team in the Black Ferns, and as you said, look, preparations are all towards the World Cup at the end of the year, but what are some of the lessons that, that you're learning at the moment?
3: Um, I think some of the lessons like these last couple of weeks, it's all about mental, like we've been doing a lot of mental, mental fitness stuff um, with DK. And I think, like, we, yes, yes, we're doing a lot of the physical prep around rugby and, and building up to the World Cup. But I think, yeah, it, a lot of it does come down to mental prep. And, and we've learned a lot of that over the last couple of weeks with DK, uh, which has been quite helpful um, for myself as well. So, yeah, like, yeah, I guess that's probably got a lot to do with that.
0: I guess the last question from me, P, is talk us through your game day ritual. Like, you are a game driver, so you walk into a, a match with a little bit more information and a little bit more responsibility than everyone else because you have to drive us around the field. So take us into your game day ritual. What does it look like?
3: Um, yeah, sure. So since I've been a part of the Wallaroos, um and on game days, I... FaceTime my partner, so we first thing in the morning, whether it's before breakfast or after breakfast, my partner and I will FaceTime and I'll be talking to him and the kids and we'll kind of go through like a... We actually we always do like a prayer. Um, so in Fijian, that's called a muscle. So in the mornings, that's what we'll do. We'll we'll break up the day, like we'll start the day together as a family and we'll do like a prayer for the kids. Um, we'll we'll share a Bible verse and then we'll both share a Bible verse and and then my husband will finish off with a prayer. Um and then after that it's just all about for me it's all about just downtime. I I try and stay off my phone as much as I can, off socials, just to kind of really relax myself and my mind and stuff like that. I take my mind off of rugby until like we hit the change rooms and then that's kinda of like or just an hour or so before change rooms and that's kind of where I want to switch my mind on, focus on the rugby. But otherwise, yeah, most of the day I'll just be um, just kind of just chilling, um, just downtime with my just myself. And then, yeah, as it gets closer and closer to kickoff, I'll yeah start to switch on and get all rugby mode. <laughs>
0: Love that. Well, Pete, before we let you go, what we love to do with our guests is run a segment called Tip On. It's basically sixty seconds of rapid fire questions. You have played this before, but the question well, is, do you want yeah. to play it again? <laughs>
3: um, okay, I'll give it another crack because I, I kind of do remember some of my answers last time. But yeah, it, it, yeah oh, we, but I we promise played. you, the
0: new questions, so you'll you'll be, uh, you'll be in for a treat. Um, well, okay. without further ado, the clock is on. What is your favorite drink? Uh, Sprite. When are you most productive?
3: Uh, At night.
0: What was your worst subject at school? Math. What scares you? Flying. Flies? No, I said flying. Oh, (laughs) flying. Have you ever been in love? Yes. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Who is your celebrity crush? Uh, Channing Tatum. What reality TV show would you go on? Uh, Home and Away. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Thongs or Slides? Wait, sorry, what was that one? Thongs or Slides? Slides. What would be your spy name?
3: Spy name? Oh, I don't
0: know. Okay. What is your Hogwarts house? Hogwarts house? Yes. Gryffindor. Gryffindor. That is fair. I, I reckon I'm Gryffindor too. What would be your spining? <laughs> you could be like... Spiny. I don't know. What could be yours? Fly half. Because it's totally original. <laughs> <laughs> and so dry as well. What a lame call for myself. Pauline, um, on both behalf of uh, Dean and I, thank you so much for joining us And Can You Be More Specific. Looking forward to seeing um, our team turn it around against the Black Ferns and uh, can't wait to see what your future holds because it's hella bloody bright, sister.
3: <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been awesome.
1: That was Pauline Piliae-Rasambale. She is a current Wallaroo. She's a New South Wales waratah. She's a gun and can't wait to see her roll around for the Wallaroos. You can ask
0: that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific. So we are back with another question. Um, and this week's question comes from Terry, who resides in Moana, South Australia. Hello. This week's question is, do you think teams with no finals hope, hopes, I should say, give up? Good question, Terry. Um...
1: Yes. No. I I think it's I think it's hard. This is like obviously the weekend we talked about the blowout scores in the NRL and we're at a point in the season and, and a lot of teams already reached this point a few weeks ago where there's no chance of playing finals football. There's potentially players within those clubs that have been told they're no longer needed at at that club um, beyond this year. So there's a lot of demotivators I guess you'd call them for for those players and for those teams and when you're coming up against uh, teams that are well in the hunt that are surging towards finals it becomes a, a lot harder to to sort of ma- match that to try and be at that level and perform at that level and um, I, th- I think unintentionally clubs clubs or teams give up when when there's no absolutely no hope to, to play for the finals other than you know to play for pride in New Jersey which is something that I think every athlete that represents a team should go out and do or even for themselves to to show some pride in their performances but as a collective it's so hard to to get all up against teams that are flying high. What do you reckon Sarah?
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I think regardless of what level you play on whether it's just park footy in your local comp or you know state or national regardless I think there is that. There is certainly that element where you want to play for the pride of your jersey. But if you get to the point where you know that you know your team certainly doesn't have um, a chance based on points um, on where you're at the season to to crack finals, it does change the attitude of the team. And there will definitely be a minority in it. I, I reckon a minority who are like, no stuff that we should always be trying, always pursuing, you know, training and playing with excellence regardless of where we are. But I think, like you said, sometimes when you know the facts are you're not going to play um, in finals, I think the majority will kind of be like, well, like that's – it's pretty much done. So, like, let's just turn up and get this done with and then look forward to an off-season and back it up with the pre-season. So um, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough place to be in, particularly when you're not winning games. Um, to to kind of get up and believe but that's kind of part of the circus of being an athlete.
1: You're right, you're right and Nelly's just thrown up a, another question as a part of this does it depend on where you are on the ladder so if you're down the bottom and, and you're a chance of getting the wooden spoon is there that motivation to avoid the wooden spoon which I think is legit if, um, if your club hasn't had it before or no one really wants that mantle of being the worst team in the competition for a season. So there'd definitely be the, the motivation um, to, to to get away from the bottom of the table and at least um, not get that wooden spoon or, or just being outside the eight was another another bit that, that Nelly mentioned. And I guess being just outside the eight or f- further, and this is rugby league context because we have a top eight in rugby league, but um, just outside finals contention, then um, Depends on, I guess, where you finished the season before. Like, if you finished in fifteenth um, position in a sixteen-team competition, and you're sailing around tenth, and there's a chance to get to ninth, then you probably would want to go up as far as you can because it's a it's a, an improvement, and it shows fans and and um, and your club that you're, you're moving in the right direction. So, even though you won't be playing finals football, to be pushing up towards um, you know improvement is something that that anyone wants to see in a team. But um, like like i said the weekend for me was just a a lot of teams that cannot get to that motivation level of the teams that are going to be playing finals football and excited through through september at least for the first week
0: dean you said something there and the word motivation really stuck out to me and i think for teams who might be at the bottom end of the ladder it really is up to i guess their leadership group as well as their coaches to be able to find a way to motivate the group because it sucks when you're rocking up to training and you know you have no aspirations, not aspirations, but you don't have any hope of lifting the trophy at the end of the season. But if you can find a way to just get the whole group on the same page and finish the season strong, regardless of where they sit on the ladder, I think that in itself um, can be can be quite a, a tough but a very positive thing, particularly if you know that players need to come back the next season to do it all over again. So, um, yeah, I guess in short, do teams give up? Yeah, they certainly do. But it's really up to the leadership group and the playing group as well as their coaches to find a way to motivate them regardless of where they're currently standing.
1: Couldn't agree more, Sarah. Well uh, well said. Now, if you've got a question, you can send it into our DMs on Instagram at Sarah Ngama or at Dean Hallatow.
0: Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean, talking all things sport across the Pacific.
1: Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck.
3: Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social.
1: Time to hit the socials, Sarah. And where have you gone this week for your inspiration?
0: I have gone to Gail Broughton's Instagram. Actually, not her Instagram. I went to the Paramatic Eels Instagram. And in the lead up to round one, um, they mic'd up Gail Broughton. And uh, she just has fantastic chat on her. And we just got to hear the audio. Woo!
3: Wow! Wow! Yeah. The song's got me so d'd up right now. I might crump in the gym. Come on, Kenny! Pull that, man! Hold that, man. I'm like Hype Man 101. Yeah, Kenny! Get those lats, Kenny! Oh, don't let it go! No! Yeah, we here. Yeah, got your cash. Yeah, come in, lift, come in, lift, come in, lift. Two, oh, up. Yeah, just some freshies. Yeah. New boots, bruh.
0: It's just her energy, I feel like, is so infectious. And you absolutely need to watch it because just that part that we listen to is part of a three-slide carousel on the gram. And um, the two things I liked about it, no, actually the three things, is she's screaming swole, which I love that word when you go to the gym. It's like, oh, yeah, looking swole. And I, why do I find this part so good? Go, Kenne. <laughs> go,
1: Kenne. <laughs> She's got and tons then, of
0: energy. And the flex of the new boots. And oh, sorry, no. But onto that, like the deep breathing, because I'm like, I totally resonate with the deep breathing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you you need to watch it. it. It's once you watch the visual, hear the audio, it just makes it so much better. Sorry. That's mine this week. What
1: about you, Hala? I love that one. She is. Uh, it looks like a, I said before, she's going to be a gun. So um, she brings that type of energy from the gym to the field. And it's great to see. Now, I'm sticking with the NRLW theme. I've gone to the Newcastle Knights. Uh, the girls had their first win as an NRLW team. So they got to sing the team song afterwards in the sheds. And the energy that they brought was, uh, was pretty on. Oh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, I can't translate any of that. I don't know what they were singing, but um, it was energy nonetheless and great to see them win their first game.
0: Also, like, what a special moment. That's them singing their team song for the first time.
1: Yeah. For and the first time. I've got to say, I reckon they nailed it so much. I've seen other other teams, in particular, NRL teams, that try to sing the song, there's new players in the team, and they've got no idea. They all nailed it. So they had done their rehearsals on the team song. A bit of show of
0: confidence as well. A for effort, Gallies. A for effort. In the Ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific.
1: Some tough headlines to get through in the Ruck this week and um, we'll start with, well, it's not really a tough one, this is a, a positive story. Talia Tapia, uh, she's been named the most valuable player in the inaugural uh, Toihi Women's National Basketball League over in New Zealand. So this is a, a pretty good achievement. She's only 25 years old and we've, we've spoken about it before Talia and she's um, as I said, picked up the most valuable player in a team that's done pretty well, Northern Cahu and uh, a number of her teammates challenging for the MVP, but she managed to get it. She averaged 18.5 points, 3.3 rebounds, 4.1 assists and 2.7 steals per game, which is like pretty impressive stats for basketball, Sarah. Good, Good performance.
0: Yeah, she really is. My fondest memories of Talia is when she played for the Sydney Uni Flames. And back then she was such a gun. And even at the age of 25 years old, she's absolutely dominating. Pretty cool that she's a dual citizen of Australia, New Zealand, which basically means she does compete over in New Zealand in their competition, um, in which she has this season with uh, Northern Kahu. But when she's not there, she's filling in her duties for UC Capital. So Incredible performer and a huge, huge future ahead of her.
1: No doubt. Now over to rugby and um, some big news for the Wallabies. They've had to rush in Laurie Fisher, the Brumbies coach, as an interim assistant. Um, Tell us about this one, Sarah.
0: Yes, Matt Taylor, who is the defence coach for the Wallabies, he uh, left Wallabies camp due to personal reasons. Um, after the Wallabies actually lost to Argentina, 48-17. to 17. So it would have been a really tough week for the Wallabies and to lose um, someone who has been part of their management fold for a fair bit of time would have been uh, quite the loss for them. But they've... Recruited a long-standing ACT Brumbies coach, Laurie Fisher, um, into the fold. So he has joined the boys this week in the Gold Coast, where they've been preparing, and they will travel to South Australia tomorrow um, for their test against the Springboks on Saturday. This is a huge, huge thing. But uh, Laurie Fisher, he is a well-respected coach. He leads a very strong side down there in the ACT. So no doubt the the Wallabies will welcome his uh, his coaching, and hopefully can put in some good systems in place in the lead up to the test against the Springboks, which will be quite the challenge for them.
1: Now, not to judge people on appearances at all, but uh, Laurie Fisher's got a pretty distinct look about him. He, he sports some long hair and he often is seen with a bucket hat over his head.
0: Yeah, he certainly has a look to him. And uh, I, th- I think it's uh, the beard and the long hair is something that, you know, is his trademark look. Um, <laughs> the thing is you wouldn't miss the man. And I think his I mean, I haven't had any personal encounters with him, but what I take of it is that he's very simple, doesn't care too much of the the materialistic things, and is uh, quite content with, I guess, his his outward appearance. And and so be it, sir. That's your look and uh, flaunt it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Great philosophy to be that way.
1: Now over over to the NRL and uh, some negative stuff that's come out of uh, last week's game. We mentioned at the top in the results, the Bunnies went down to the Panthers in a grand final rematch. Uh, Jackson Bowler, the winger for the South he had a bit of a tough night so he didn't have his best game but um you know that 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 happens from time to time but following the match he was actually um you know sought out people sought him out on on social media and really attacked him uh said some nasty things uh going so far as death threats so pretty um pretty ordinary stuff from from people to go after a young man just because he, he didn't perform probably the way he didn't want to either
0: it's really disturbing and really upsetting that we're still talking about these things where people feel like they have this right to say the most absurd things. And yeah, I mean, Jackson definitely didn't intend to go out there and, and lose the game for his side, but um, it's, it's tough because at the end of the day, these people are still athletes and they still have to digest their own performance from the game just had. And you... I guess you couple that pressure with these unnecessary, but also very harmful death threats. And it can be quite detrimental to not only that player, but to their families as well.
1: Yeah, you're spot on Sarah and a number of players have come out and support like his teammates, Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell. I've seen Um, uh, Alex Johnston posted some things uh, just in support of, of Jackson and and really calling out those uh, trolls online that have, that have said what they've said. And um, you know, it's, it's, like, like you just mentioned before, it's not like a player would go out intentionally to, to make mistakes or you know, do wrong by their team and, and everyone has bad days at work, but um, the, the attention that comes with, with being in an elite um, environment such as rugby league or, or any other sport for that matter, um, this, this comes with it and it's really hard I think for, for some players to, to brush that off. It can be really quite harmful.
0: Yeah, it, it really is, but just so thankful that he does have a really supportive club, has really supportive teammates, and I think the majority, you know, who are of that belief and, and rightfully so that this, this kind of behaviour is not play on as long as we continue to stand up for what's right, it should quieten his voices. But unfortunately it's a part of the game that is something you can't bypass it's when you have a bad day it's right there on live television it's played back on every bloody streaming platform and yeah it's hard but you can only hope that you have the tools in your in in your kit to to be able to overcome it when it does arise
1: yeah well we'll send in our sport to jackson hopefully you're all good uh with that mate now james tamo um He went to the judiciary, I should say, earlier in the week to have his contrary conduct charge reduced. He was looking at two weeks on the sideline, which would have meant that he didn't get to see out the season for the West Tigers. But at the judiciary, he managed to get it downgraded. So he pled guilty, but sought a downgrade, which meant that he'll only miss uh, the one weekend being uh, round 24 and he'll get to lace up for the last match of the round, barring no injuries, of course, during the week of training, but uh, he'll take his place on the field, um, which is a bit of a, a tough one. Look, it's great for James that he's going to get that opportunity. But, um, you know, the, the the reason why he was up in front of the judiciary, the, the match abuse, which we've seen occur a few times, sorry, the match official abuse, I should say, it's, it's happened a few times in the NRL this year, which is not a great look.
0: No, it certainly isn't. And Hala, I have to ask, you are the number one defender of match officials. Do you think that it was right that he was able to reduce his sentence?
1: Well, I don't want to talk about this one in particular. I'm a little bit too close to all of this to um, to make a comment on the, the validity of what the judiciary come up with. But I will say that um, in terms of the amount of um, abuse or the the, the the occasions that have happened this year with referees being abused and, and how like I said before, how it looks to the public and to people watching the game, um, you know, I, I don't want it, I'd hate to see it become um, a regular thing, which I feel like it has done over the last, um, well, since Brandon Smith had his um, incident and um, Jared Walrera hargroves had one as well. He was fine for his one, but you know it sets a poor example. And, and this is something that James acknowledged when he was, um, you know, talking post-match and again at the judiciary. Like he, he, he was really, really remorseful about his actions on the field, and he spoke about his 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 role uh, in, in terms of being a role model for for children and. Um, you know he he coaches young kids he 's got young kids of his own and and he would really hate for them to see his actions and want to emulate that or, or or copy that in any way so you know he 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 came forward with that and he was as I said quite remorseful and that 's probably something that um, I think should be the message to take away from this for for young people that support the game and other supporters of the game. The referees have a have a really hard job that 's why I am the uh, the boss of the referees union. I just think that they 've got a very really tough uh, job that no one else wants not many people want to become referees not many, in, in any sport umpires referees whatever it is um so it takes a special kind of person to do that uh and i don't think they deserve they're going to make mistakes from time to time it's no different to a player making a mistake and you know as we've just spoken about subsequently being um hammered by people in the public um referees don't get there to make mistakes they have a hard job and um you know players should be shown respect to them
0: at all times well said, Hal. I couldn't have said it better myself. In all honesty, now to end on a lighter note, Andrew Fafida Well, I don't know if it's a lighter note, but Andrew Fafita, um is to leave the Sharks, but he reckons he's got another season in him. Now the man is now 33 years old. He's had a fantastic career to date, has been multiple teams, and has just been such a stalwart, particularly at that club. What What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, um,
1: you know, fantastic player, Andrew Fafida played at the highest level. Played at, like he's at, at different points has been you know, arguably the best front row forward in the game. And in the 2016 grand final, he was key in them getting that victory. He, um, you know, he was hot on the heels of our of our man, Luke Lewis, our ABC man, Luke Lewis, who got the Clive Churchill. Fafita was in those conversations and uh, – yeah, it's it's sad that he's going to be leaving the Cronulla Sharks where he's he's made a definitely made a name for himself. He he started at the West Tigers, so he was one that got away, I guess from them. Um but if he feels like he can go on and and the one thing I will say about the way he he's sort of announced that he's leaving the Sharks, he, he probably didn't have to say anything, but he's come out and said it because he wants to allow other players that are, that are in the club that are young and coming through that opportunity to do so. He thinks that um you know there's there's enough stocks there that he's he's maybe Um, stalling the progress of of one of those younger guys so he thinks it's time to move out of that club in particular now that's not to say there's there's not going to be a role for him at another club as that experienced front rower that's still got I believe some good footy in front of him and and I hope he does pick up a club you know maybe it is there's been some chat about the Tigers um, showing interest in him to to bring him back and and if that's the case then I I feel like he could make a real impact there with his leadership he he still wants to work for the Sharks post his playing days as well in, in in a play a welfare type role or um, something to that effect. So I think he's got plenty to offer the game, be it on the field um, beyond this year or or working um, in those roles that I mentioned.
0: I think he's going to be a really
1: good guy for the game going forward.
0: I certainly think he has a little bit more to give and it would not shock me if he does lock down a contract um, that'll see him through the 23 season. ABC Radio Australia, your home of Sarah and Dean.
1: Now that's all we have time for, unfortunately.
0: Yes, so if you miss the show or you just want to listen to all the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, two pm PNG time. Or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: And if you want more sport, you can check out that Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. It's all look here.
0: Mother, can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia.
1: This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.